Hello, I'm Peter Junho Sung, founder and CEO of Beyond Form. In this episode, myself and Ron are joined by the co-founder of Roundwreck, Ari Katz, where we'll be talking about next generation materials and how the fashion industry now needs management platforms to help guide them with these unfamiliar fabrics. Ari is no stranger to the tech startup world, having previously worked with another startup in his home country of Israel. From there, he was inspired to launch his own startup in partnership with his co-founder, Alessia Gotti. Roundback is providing both entrepreneurs with huge learnings, and in today's episode, we'll hear how Ari is navigating the fashion tech startup world. You have to be comfortable with accepting feedback. Negative usually, right? That's usually the feedback that you, that you need is is what to fix, right? You don't need to hear like, oh, that's nice. Um, and just continuously, you know, wanting to improve and wanting wanting to hear feedback, being open to other uh, uh, to other ideas and, and just, you know, looking um, for that neutral feedback. This episode was pre-recorded as an Insta Live. I hope that you enjoy it and let's hear about Ari's founder journey. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. I, wasn't, I didn't even realize it was the first one. So this is, uh, you know, quite an honor for me as well. Thanks for having me. I hope I don't disappoint. Um, oh, yeah, it's, it's great, to, <laughs> great to be here. Unfortunately, not physically in uh, the beautiful city of Paris uh, from Israel. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get started. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much again for joining. Um, so I guess kind of to kickstart the whole session and obviously we'll be uh, asking questions between us. Um, what is Roundrack for the people watching us as a summary before we really get into it? That is a very good question. Um, it actually very much depends who we're talking to, but you sort of mentioned it's a, a material innovation platform. So just to keep things simple, um, if in the past fashion brands would basically just order their bread and butter materials such as, you know, cotton wool, polyester, and really invest their efforts and creativity, um, maybe in, in, in really designing and manufacturing the garment today, um, especially with sustainability concerns out there, um, you can say that the creativity is very much also about the types of material they work with. Uh, and therefore, you start considering some of those new materials out there. For instance, uh, cactus uh, leather as a replacement to animal leather, or orange fiber, orange peel fiber as a replacement for polyester. It becomes kind of tricky. And therefore, from a singular um, action of just ordering the material, it becomes a full-on project. Because you basically have to do your due diligence of how this material interacts and how it is on a technical level, um, how your manufacturers need to work with it, maybe they need to change their machinery in order to in order to apply it, your assembly team, your designers, of course, um, and then all the different sustainability aspects that suddenly are, are very important. Um, so in many ways, what this is is a project management tool for innovation projects. Um, and actually, myself, I come from, um, from fintech, so we used to work uh, with, with banks actually, but they had a very similar process, which means banks as well, you know, maybe 10 years ago, started integrating new technologies um, to their systems, to their apps, and basically to their customers. And the process is fairly similar. So we're trying to bring those methodologies of adopting and integrating innovation to the fashion industry. 
Yeah, and then obviously you you are um you don't come from the fashion industry so um i'd be very interested to hear more about how did you actually enter um sustainability materials this i imagine very alien world to you you know i've been with you since the start so <laughs> i guess how can you tell the, the listeners how that came about so yeah, that, that's great. So we'll start with the, um, you know, the personal drive. I always had uh, a nag for, for fashion. Um, I actually started taking an interest more in the resale space, uh, secondhand fashion. Everything I'm wearing now is, is, is secondhand. Uh, interestingly enough, I got into sustainability through that because I realized like, hey, if I'm, if I'm doing it anyway, um, I'm, I might as well, you know, double down on it. Um, and I had the opportunity to meet a, um, a former colleague of mine who was into sustainability as well, uh, an avid vegan. And we decided that it was clear to us that there's an industry here um, that when it comes to uh, uh, environmental concerns and sustainability, there, there are a few steps behind everyone else. And, and we wanted to, to do something uh, to change it. Um, by the way, that, that mentality is interesting because you usually hear of, of founders who um, have an idea for a product and then basically search for the need. Uh, we did something completely different. We said, okay, there's there's a very broad area we're interested in. Let's find what the problem is and try to solve it. Um, funny enough, we assumed, you know, coming from 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 a tech background, that if you provide and offer a good tech solution and show and prove credibility that you're able to solve it, you know, doors will open. Uh, but interestingly enough, the fashion world, it's not quite the case. Um, the fashion world is quite slow on adopting technology and they are, you know, let's, let's, let's say how it is. They're a bit snobby and therefore you have to, you have to have the right introductions and basically the right people, uh, um, um, opening doors for you. So I think that is maybe one of the, one of the first lessons we've learned. I mean, even again, even before the actual product is, you know, make sure you surround yourself and you connect two people that can help you get by in the industry. Um, so, you know, Beyond Form are obviously uh, one of our partners and going through their, their incubator was, was definitely a big step for us where we also um, met who eventually uh, became um, our advisor um, and, and customer. We'll, we'll get to that later, but that's definitely something I, I very much, um, I don't recommend, but, but need to emphasize that it's very, important that early on you start surrounding yourself with those with those connections uh, to the industry either before or while you are trying to develop your your solution and product yeah it's really interesting and i like that you did mention that the industry can be a bit slow with adopting it's exactly why we exist because um we think obviously startups like yourselves are just needed out there for um, fashion brands and corporates to really start to see actually the potential of doing something, um, well, collaborating with something like what you're doing. Um, so that is really interesting, actually. Um, and actually, I guess if you give us examples of maybe how the industry has so far actually um, reacted to what you've been doing so far. We're definitely getting a lot of positive feedback but I want to I want to differentiate between getting positive feedback and and having you know paying customers. I think that's actually you know a very very important uh, point to touch. Um, you always get positive feedback. You know you have a great idea that that sounds great. That's definitely uh, needed. It's very crucial and important 
early on to really understand like, okay, but, but how, how will you actually pay me? Will you actually uh, use, you know, this, uh, you know, a great idea, a great product of mine. There's a great book, The Mom Test, which I highly recommend. Um, and it's basically very much about how do you, how do you collect, you know, proper feedback so you really know what to build so people will really, really um, actually use it and pay you for using it. Um, so I think what we've learned, I mean, beyond just like, oh, this is very much needed, is what does it take to have a fashion brand um, or any organization actually to adopt and use a technology? Um, one of the things obviously is have, let's call it like a champion in that brand. Like you, you need to really have someone there who really believes in what you're doing and, and is included in your decisions uh, and very much aligned with you. And I would say the second very important thing, and this is you know relevant for anyone developing technology, especially in the fashion industry, try not to have dependencies, which means if you can offer them a service or a product where it doesn't need to integrate to anything, it doesn't you don't have they don't have to have any commitments, right? But like you know, hey, just try this. It doesn't need to. We, we don't need anything from you. We don't need any people. Uh, from you to really, you know, be honest. We handle, we manage this. You know, eventually, if, if you need it as an, extra, you know, additional feature to integrate into anything else, you know, we can, we'll, we'll figure it out then. But it's very much, you know, the simplest, easiest way to just get started. Um, and of course, you know, it's easier said than done. I mean, our first uh, uh, pilot is basically still underway, and it's months and months um, in the works. It's very, very important. Um, you know, again, focus on how fast and simple you can build something in order to get in order to get those early indications and early results so that's very much something i uh i recommend uh, focusing on yeah so obviously you you have pivoted run rack on the way obviously which we have seen and you're talking now about keeping it simple but in practice how have you as you know the founder making all the decisions how have you what process have you implemented to, to, to make some of those judgment calls, shall we say? That's a great question. Definitely, I think, you know, there, there's a, a bias problem um, as, a, as a founder, as being sort of in the trenches and, and thinking that you know uh, what is right and thinking uh, uh, that you know what is needed. It's very, very important, I would say, two things. One is to not fall in love with your product and idea, uh, number one problem. And the two, and the second one is, you know, and it's part of the same thing actually, is continuously zooming out and getting, you know, as neutral um, and objective feedback as possible. Because you sort of, you know, build up in your mind like what this is and you get positive feedback and you're great and you're running with it and you love it. And it's very scary to have someone say, this is terrible. This sucks. But you need that feedback if, if you know, and most likely, you know, when it's when it's needed. Um, and again, it's easier said than done. I, I convinced myself over and over again that I am not going to fall, you know, in those cracks, you know, in, in those in those ditches. And it happens again and again. And you have to be comfortable with accepting feedback negative usually right that's usually the feedback that you that you need is is what to fix right you don't need to hear like oh that's nice um and just continuously you know wanting to improve and wanting wanting to hear feedback being open to other uh, uh to other ideas and, and just you know looking 
um, for that neutral feedback. Can you can you give us any kind of like stories of when somebody t- did tell you that you sucked? Or with any of the examples as well that we're seeing on the screen as well? You know, there's just so many because I think at the end of the day, right? You, you, you. I mean, it's so it's true. I think in every aspect of of startup life, like you're gonna you're gonna get 99 no's until you hit that one yes. But but that's the way you need to go. You need to. It, it'll take time till someone's gonna give you money until some you know pays for your product. Um, and you have to be. You have to accept that. You you have to realize, like, yeah, you have to, you know, take those 99 steps of hearing no's in, or, in order to get the yes. So there's no other way to get to the yes. You have to basically take out all the bad features. And, you know, we're I can give you an example from yesterday. We prepared a beautiful demo for a very serious brand. And, you know, I must say I was extremely proud of, of, of the level of, of the demo and the prototype that we built. Um, and they simply said, like, this is, you know, way more than, than we need. This, we, we don't need any of this, right? We, we, it ended up they needed something super duper simple. And we sort of went back to the, to, you know, to the drawing board afterwards. And we realized we, we basically forgot the, the um, you know, the, the main essence of, of what we're actually doing. I mean, not even our product as a startup. Like, we need to understand what their exact problem is and how to solve that. They're not interesting to see a million variations and, and different features that could do a million different things. And they are looking to solve something very, very simple. And and we weren't able to do it. We're, we're hoping that we still can do that. That's that's sort of, you know, we, we do have, uh, uh, I, I guess, a, a bit of a, uh, an opening to, to still succeed. But you, you, have to, you have to just focus on what is it they want, how to do it the simplest way. Um, and again, this, this applies to everything, to marketing, to your PR, to explaining what your product is and what does it do. Um, you know, you have to keep it simple for everyone. So, you know, create simple products and that's it. Yeah. So then you, you mentioned there, you know, pitching to potential partners, pilots, collaborators. is pretty much what you're doing at the moment. Um, so how are you wading through all of these conversations to get to that one person that's going to say yes to you. How long did it take, for example, with your current pilot? It, it took it took a while. I mean, you know, as a startup, you go through um, most most startups. Pretty much every successful startup goes through pivots. So it's very it's very much a question of when do you consider the start of our journey, right? I mean, technically, we started like two years ago, um, and you can say that our current our current product is maybe a year, a year and a half old. Um, but we have to be, again, you have to be comfortable with saying, oh, this isn't working, we need to pivot. And of course, usually that's based on feedback you get. I mean, this, this is very much something I believe in. Um, and I actually realized this originally, you know, many years ago as, as a freelance uh, designer working with, uh, uh, with entrepreneurs um, who basically didn't realize that, you know what, the, the goal isn't, again, isn't, isn't to, to, to sell your product. And again, I mentioned fall in love with your product, right? You, you need to fall in love with your customers. You have to fall in love with your customers and just use maybe your idea or your original product idea to get your foot in the door and then really listen to them. So there is a bit of a chicken and an egg uh, uh, challenge here of, um, you know, creating enough validation with your idea with your product so that they're willing to listen to you, to open the door 
and then share what they really need because they're not going to just share their ideas and problems with anyone. So I think that that's very much always a challenge, right? But and it's sort of like a, a continuous, never-ending effort. Which means you need to continuously build a, a validation and credibility um, to what you're doing, to who you are. And again, if this is an industry uh, that we've never been in, so that was that took a lot of time, right? How do we get credibility in this industry? Um, that that we're able to to do what we're say we're you know we're able to do, and then if we're lucky enough to have a few people listen to us and then start sharing ideas, then we sort of both say okay, you know we've spoken to a bunch of people, this is crap, but there apparently is some other idea. I mean, in our case, it's like this whole resale idea, like okay, that's cute, but in regards to sustainability, there's actually some bigger challenges here that they needed solved. So at this point, you have to decide okay. I like what you know my original idea, but there's something here that's that's much bigger and, and maybe even a pain they're willing to pay for someone to solve. So, do I feel comfortable, you know, going this way? But that's very much what, what you want to hear, right? There's actually a real problem, not exactly that, but you guys seem like a nice, a nice, nice group of people that are capable of fixing my actual problem. So let's talk about it. And that's sort of how we, I mean, that wasn't even our, our first customer. They, they eventually sort of became our customer, but that was just sort of our, pers, our first, let's call it um, expert in the industry um, who shared with us like some of the real industry problems on a very practical level. So we continued the conversation with her and, you know, changed our product accordingly until we felt comfortable, like, okay, this is good enough and, and this is our new product. Which is great. And I can imagine maybe that might have been quite a process as well. How long do you think it might have taken to convince actually for such a collaboration? Wow, that is, I, I think it's like even hard to quantify, hard to quantify the time. And, and again, it's, it's usually not, you know, a single person that you need to convince. They need to uh, uh, convince, you know, people internally as well. Um, it, it's, of course, it very much depends on the size of the customer and the, um, the scale of what you're doing. And therefore, again, as I mentioned, you want to build something relatively fast and simple that your champion in the, in the customer side doesn't need to then go and have the CTO sign off because you want to change a button on their, on their website. Like that won't happen. And it'll take months to happen. Um, so it, it took a while. I mean, hopefully the next pilot or next customer will, you know, will, will take less time. But I think again, it's very important to mention, um, and, and I sort of was touching this before is you need to understand the, the motives also of that specific person uh, you're talking to. Um, they have, you know, motives within, within, you know, their company, within the industry to also introduce innovation. Um, so it's not just about like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm selling you a great product. Like, why aren't you buying it? You need to be a bit more, a bit more thoughtful um, and a bit more creative about that. So again, it's, we're, we're, we're humans at the end of the day. You're interacting with humans. Um, it's not just about like, what a second, this, this uh, uh, product solves, you know, problem X, you know, Y and Z. So think, think a, bit, a bit broader. Yeah, I quite like that where you're, where you're... At the essence, actually, what you're saying is before you even get to discussing the commercial details of a partnership, you're speaking to them at a human level first and bringing that real human element to 
it's a business, which of course the fashion industry is all about, as you said, you know, earlier on it is about who you know and how you relate to them as well. Um, so I think let's, let's move the conversation on then. Does this human element process move into finding investors, which by the way, congratulations on getting your first investor on board. So was it the same process? In, in many ways, um, in, in many ways, yes. I think it, it was a bit surprising. I think we got uh, somewhat lucky because that last bit that I mentioned about understanding the, the, the motivation uh, of some of the people involved talked, I don't think we even realized it at the time, right? But, but when it comes to uh, um, investment, you know, it, it's a two-sided deal, right? If you, they don't do you a favor. People are investing you because they think you're gonna be a good business and you know, they'll be able to make a great return. And therefore, people, have an interest in introducing you if you're a good business and potential to investors because to them it might be a great opportunity to make more money. Um, and therefore that's sort of how, how you need to treat it, how you need to, you know, in, in, um, I guess, treat those introductions. So in many ways that, that's sort of how, how it happened. We, we didn't even approach that investor um, directly, but people that we were in touch with who we were actually having conversations on a different level, more like, you know, can you advise us on, on collaborations uh, and, you know, finding uh, potential customers? Suddenly, you know, it turns out they actually see us as a good investment opportunity for, for you know, a venture capital firm they know. Now, the next thing you know, yeah, we're going through the, the due diligence process. And, you know, it's sustainable ventures, we're, we're extremely happy with them. They, they also give us definitely a lot of, a lot of value and, and connect us to um, potential customers and hopefully further investments. So, it's very much, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, like type of investors, but I think throughout the whole process, you need to think strategically, like money isn't free and just serving a customer, you know, selling your product for the sake of, you know, making a quick buck or saying that you have a customer, that, that's not necessarily the smart thing to do. You need to think, you know, very carefully about your roadmap, what type of company you want to be, what your steps are, and then start, you know, accumulating those advisors and customers and investors along the way in order for you to really reach that long-term goal. So how would you say actually you would have prioritized all of this? Cause you've obviously mentioned about the roadmap, um, about, you know, there's investment here, there's the connections that you're trying to make at the same time, the community you're trying to build, how would you prioritize that? And also kind of, I guess the people you're approaching, whether it is for pilots or, or otherwise investment as well. You know, early on, you're, you're, you're basically shooting in every direction. Uh, beggars can't be choosers. So you very much have to see you know, where the wind is blowing. Try, try different things. Um, if you get in a situation where you know, you got more leads than you can handle, um, then you, you, that's sort of where you need to, I guess, consider your options and, and what's right for you at that stage and what investor is right for you, what customer is right for you. Um, I mean, if you think about it, right, if you have a few different options for a pilot, each pilot would take you're estimating that three months, it will take six months. You know, that'll completely change the trajectory of your company and what type of company you'll be. So you, you do have to be picky where you can. I mean, early on, again, you have the, the advantage that you don't need to be picky. So you just try different things and see, you know, see where the wind takes you and, and, and who bites. Um, so for early stage, you know, uh, uh, startups, like, you know, just try everything, don't give up. Uh, but eventually you do need to start, you know, being picky and and try to stay loyal mainly to your vision right but your roadmap should be very much aligned to your vision as well so 
align to your roadmap and what type of company you want to be. Mm-hmm. So, so let's uh, run the conversation, Eric, because we're, we're 30 minutes already. Um, what's next for, for Roundrack then? Next for Roundrack. Interestingly enough, it, it became um, pieces are starting to, to sort of, you know, fit in on their own. And it's, you know, if you told me half a year ago, the term, you know, roadmap and, and, and KPIs, to me, it's, you know, those terms were basically meaningless, but sort of as, as the pieces start fitting together, you realize like, yes, you need to have a clear path and the clear, uh, uh, clear um, success metrics you want to reach in order to get to, to your, your, next, uh, uh, your next main goal. Uh, so for us, I mean, we're still, I would say, validating um, certain features in what we're building. And the goal is really to start collecting a few uh, uh, big name customers and, and really you know, scaling uh, uh, the company. And again, you know, it's all about validating at each stage. So validating our offering even more in order for us you know, to, to raise, you know, call it a seed round to really, you know, build the company even more and, and um, build a better product. Exciting. Perfect. So I think that brings us to the end of our conversation. All right. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, if somebody that is listening wants to get in contact with you, uh, what's the best way to go about it? What's your website for a start? <laughs> Um, when, I mean, website is roundwork.co. That still needs to, uh, that's actually a, a good point. Like, we're so busy with other things that it, website hasn't really been maintained. Just shoot me an email, ari at roundwork.co. can get it from, uh, uh, from Peter and Vaughn. Um, yeah, I'm happy to talk with anyone. I mean, if anyone needs advice, I'm happy to give it. I was in the same boat as, as you guys. It's a long uh, journey. Don't give up, uh, but be smart about it. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was uh, it was a great opportunity, and looking forward to uh, to the future. And we'll check in with you in a few months and see how Ramak has uh, has developed. So, um, shall we shall we close out the session then? Yeah. Ram? Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening. We will be releasing episodes at least once a month, with each episode featuring a different topic. We'll also have guests joining us such as founders from our portfolio of startups and fashion industry insiders from our incredible network to bring further discussions on sustainability, fresh perspectives on design and many more all related to fashion tech. Be sure to check us out on social media at beyondform.io as well as our website beyondform.io for updates. Beyondform brings human and financial resources together to launch and scale early stage fashion tech startups with ambitious founders. We hope to potentially see some of you joining our venture studio very soon. Don't forget to drop us a line if you'd like to hear us talk about a specific topic. Until next time.